I'd say something, but it would come off as racist. So I'm not going to say anything. That's racist. Sega! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. So last week it was episode 40, which means by process of elimination and the, the theoretical law property, this has to be episode 41. And this is Captain Geach, and I have the Shrimp Shack Shooters with me here, Jim and Phil, the No Swear Gamer. Welcome, Phil. Welcome, uh, Jimmy G. Hey, thanks for having me. Wow. You know, and, uh, this is the first time you've told me welcome. And, and you know what's crazy is when you guys said, hey, you can't be on again until the Cubs go to the World Series. I thought that was an insult, but now I'm here. So thanks, guys. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, ye of little yes. faith. Yeah, that's right. I was actually going to say, and I'm coming to you from the north side of Chicago, home of the National League champion Chicago Cubs. Congratulations. Yay. That is weird. That's just weird. I never thought I'd ever live to see this day, to be perfectly honest. And... um I was a little bit teary. Uh, there's a video going around right now of uh, Bill Murray at the game crying yeah. when it happened. So if it can bring Bill Murray to tears. See, I don't like baseball. My wife likes baseball even less than I do. She was in tears. Really? All, all my friends on Facebook, even if they're not from Chicago, are like, hey, isn't this cool? So it's bringing the world yeah. together when we need to be brought together the most. Yeah, Unless absolutely. you're a Cardinals fan. <laughs> Oh, boy. Let's not go there. And actually, I have seen some of my diehard White Sox uh, friends actually uh, be very, very classy about this whole thing. So that's kind of a that's kind of a nice thing. Yeah, I've seen classy. I've seen some reluctantly saying, yeah, I guess it's a good thing. And I still see at least one saying no. (laughs) So I don't know. I've even seen Cardinals fans say, you know what? Go get them. Although the newspapers in St. Louis haven't been quite as nice. Uh, we were actually in St. Louis uh, this last weekend. Uh, I'm sorry? My, yeah, well, me too. <laughs> but we were down there to look at uh, look at a college uh, for my daughter. And um, we decided as a little side trip to drive around downtown St. Louis. We just stayed on Interstate 55. And when I realized we were passing uh, Bush Stadium, I waved at it with one finger. So... I do have to say, I was at Bush Stadium a couple of months ago, and it actually is pretty nice. They do have a good setup over there. I find it funny that more and more stadiums are not, are going away from the old concrete bowl type thing. And I think the last stadium that was built like that was the new Comiskey Park or her what was it now? It's like Guaranteed like Rate Stadium or something, something like that. Something like that. On the south side of Chicago. That was the last stadium built in that style. And after like three or four years, they actually remodeled it again to make it look like closer to Wrigley Field. All the new stadiums are being built in the classic Wrigley Field, Fenway Park style. Yeah, City Field is beautiful, and it's done in like the old style, kind of like how Ebbets Field was done, I believe. City Field, that one is where? Basically New Shea. It's in... Uh... Oh, New York. I'm a Detroit boy, so I remember uh, Tiger Stadium before they tore it down. And the one cool thing, from what I understand, is they actually turned that lot into a park where you can actually run the bases, you know, open your lot. I did see that. That is actually pretty cool. That, that is really cool. Uh, if I'm cool. not mistaken, the original Tiger Stadium, or whatever they called it way back when, actually had a flagpole in the middle of the outfield. 
I think the flagpole's still up. There's a part that's still up, and I it's been years since I've been back to Detroit, but I think if I ever go back there, I'd like to take my kid there someday and run the bases just to say you did. You know, that is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really cool. That is pretty neat. But uh, hey, why don't we talk about um, some uh, video game related stuff? Why don't we? Let's. Well, why don't we? So um, we got a lot of really good feedback from uh, episode 40, including from you, Phil, actually, if I remember correctly. You do. And we actually got quite a bit of not too good uh, feedback as well. But that's, you know, just from my recording system set yeah, up here. Yeah, my amp out. I'll tell you what. But I don't really want to go over it right now simply because this is going to be one of our kind of one-off episodes. But there is one thing I do, I, I would like to address right now. Say, uh, Jimmy G, have you heard the latest, uh, well, as of um, today, the latest Atari Bytes? Yes, I have, actually. I listened to it uh, yesterday, actually. Wait, yesterday? Yeah, I listened to it today myself. No, no, but, it was uh, this morning. It was this morning. But we got some interesting, there were some interesting comments from uh, from Henry Pepper, from uh, Bill's son, Henry. Does he have a kid named Peter? I certainly hope so. I don't think he does. I, do I think actually. he becomes a doctor. Ah, I see what you did I there. I see what you did there. Did you ever notice that there's no period in Dr. Pepper? It's really just Dr. Pepper. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look it now up. Now I'll never notice but, again. Um, never not notice. It's just like uh, if you see a FedEx van uh, driving by, there's an oh, arrow yeah. in the logo. Just look in the E and the X and you'll see it. And once you see it, you'll always see it every single time. I have a FedEx van story from Friday that's not for this podcast, so uh, maybe maybe later, but... Maybe we should start another podcast. FedEx Van Stories. There yeah. you go. I will register FedExVanStories.com as soon as we're done. But um, Bill and Henry were kind of discussing, somehow it caught into conversation, the name of Pie Factory Podcast. And Bill is saying, well, you know what? They don't actually talk about pies. They don't actually even talk about video games that involve pies. So that got me thinking. I mean, first of all, Mm, there was one time we almost kind of sort of did, and that was episode number one when we talked about Donkey Kong, the game that has the infamous pie factory scene. And yes, Greg, I know, it is really a cement factory. But um, we kind of talked about pies there. And what about Food Fight? Does Food Fight have pies or are those cream puffs? Yes, Food Fight has pies. Yes, they do. Cream pies. Okay, so there we go. So, uh, Bill, I recommend that you direct your seven-year-old son to our food fight episode. So at least there's a little less silly naming involved in that one. Wow. That episode was, that episode was almost a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Episode 20, episode 20 tapper and food fight. That also got me thinking about this, how, you know, Henry says it's silly that we're called pie factory, but we don't talk about pie. Maybe we should do kind of what, like what guys games and beer does where they start the show off by critiquing a beer. Maybe we should critique a pie at the beginning of every Ooh, episode. Gee-like. We actually have some uh, key lime pie downstairs as we speak that we got uh, from the excess food that uh, uh, the local Jewel food store gives away to local churches for their constituents or parishioners or whatever to take home and i've already had a slice of it and it is delicious oh i love key lime pie 
I don't think I've ever had key lime pie. Oh, you are missing, my friend. You are missing. How about out. you, Phil? You like key lime pie? I'm not, I'm not a key lime guy. I've I've never been a citrus pie kind of guy. Yeah. Whenever I had lemon meringue pie, I just would eat the meringue, and that's it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh-huh. Personally, I'm not a big pie fan myself. It's just typically kind of dry to me. The the crust kind of takes away any moisture. But this still could be something. There are certain exceptions to my I don't like pie thing. And we'll talk about that in future episodes of Pie Factory Podcast so we don't waste the pie. Oh, by the way, people who are listening, uh, you both may be wondering why we have Phil on the show again. Well, it's because we're doing another one of our one-off shows. Uh, We are talking about Genesis tonight. Just to give us a little bit of introduction, uh, since I'm the host, I, I have my research here. And um, so let me go through my notes. Apparently, Genesis was written by Moses, and it's one of the Wait, first five books of the on, Old Testament. Hold on, hold on. I just realized something. I just realized right. something. We're talking about Genesis, and we have Phil on the show. Okay. We have okay. Genesis with Phil. Get it? Genesis, Phil. Th- mm-hmm. they, they switched lead singers. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the band Genesis. What did you think we were talking about? The novel? Well, since I went through Catholic school all my life, I thought you wanted me to talk about the book of Genesis. Well, Genesis is one of my favorite bands. It's not one of my favorite books because it's kind of dour. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> I like both. I can talk about both. Yeah, uh, I, I prefer I prefer the epistles to the Corinthians myself. But oh well, that's just me. You ever hear the? Uh, there was a there was a version of the Bible written in the '90s. It was called the Black Bible Chronicles. And I believe, I'm trying to remember how they translated the first chapter of Genesis. Uh, I think the first line was like, uh, when it all started, God was down with his plan, or something like that. <laughs> I think I do remember that. I think I, that would be entertaining to read. Then, of course, there, there was a version of the Bible in the 60s that was the hippie version. And I, I don't remember much about it, except for the, the verse where it talks about uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. And they translated it as, the loving of the green ain't making the scene, so split that gig. <laughs> Hmm. That's great. And, and I got to tell you, every time I go by the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, I always think, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You got a problem with that? <laughs> See, because they're <laughs> the Moody, Moody Bible. Yeah. Uh, what about the Moody Blues Bible Institute? Gathering gloom comes soon for those who, I don't know. Okay, but real, okay, what are we talking about? The book of the Bible or the band? I wasn't clear on that. Um, uh, whatever. What else is there that's named Genesis. There's a new car called the Genesis, I think. Or is oh, it really? a truck? I don't know. Oh, 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 oh. We're talking oh? about the, the, the latest Terminator sequel, Genesis. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's God, not the latest. They had one since there, right? Then they? No, I think that was Maybe the last not. one. Okay. And that is going to be a good joke. idea to talk about that because I have not seen it at all and I've had no desire to. Huh. Didn't a previous incarnation of that have a video game conversion on like various home systems? Yeah, Super Nintendo, Sega CD, I don't know. 32X. In the arcade. So, what are we talking about, the band or the book? Oh, screw it, we're going to talk about the Sega Genesis. No, oh, we can do that, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we why, dragged that we, out. Yeah, why, why break up our fun? Or why yeah, start having fun? I don't know. So, Sean, since you're hosting, why don't you get the, the discussion started instead of dragging it down like I do? Okay. That's my job. Let's discuss the Sega Genesis. Yay! Yay! How's that? Will this be a panel discussion? I remember playing Sega Genesis right in front of this really cheap paneling that was in the living room. So how about the paneling that you guys were involved with? Wood grain. Always wood grain grain paneling. Yeah. Yeah. I think we had drywall, actually. Hmm. I'm sorry. 
yeah, me and the drywall. At least it wasn't stucco. Then there would be problems. <laughs> I, know, I, guess I, I like dragging this discussion down. This is a yeah, big time here. Yeah, we're only 20 minutes and it's still early. So anyway, um, since I, apparently I'm Mr. Host, man, I better start talking about stuff here. So um, things and all stuff. I, all I can really talk about is my own experiences with the Sega Genesis. It was uh, 1992. Uh, it was the spring of 1992. I want to think my brother was working at a video store, but I think, I, no, he wouldn't have been, but he bought a Sega Genesis. That's what it was. He bought a Sega Genesis and because he's a big hockey fan, he got uh, NHL hockey with it, which to this day is one of my favorite That's a video great game. games. Great game. I remember playing the heck out of Sonic the Hedgehog. And um, I mean, what else can I say? I, and he had it for a while. My brother had it for a while. He was he moved back home with us for a while before he got married in uh, 1993. And he had that thing. And I was really getting into it. Every once in a while, he'd go to the video store and rent some video games from there. Desert Strike, my personal favorite, was one of them. I remember there was a really... I don't remember the name of it. There was a flight simulator. There's F-14. I know that's a flight simulator. I remember there was a... It had a soundtrack in the back of it. Like, it was, there was constant music in it. Afterburner? That might have been it. It wasn't Afterburner, that's for sure. But I think Phil was... Phil nailed it there. And or no 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 F twenty two I think it was was F twenty two Raptor something like that but it was by Electronic Arts I think it was Electronic Arts in fact the reason that my brother got Desert Strike was he thought it was going to be a flight simulator but it wasn't and Electronic Gaming Monthly of course they had their little secrets like how you had to do basically the sign of the cross on the D pad yeah we're what a religion tonight <laughs> on the on the D pad to uh, get like a billion lives in Sonic and see these hidden levels that you'll never see and all that um and eventually i came home the genesis was gone oh brother comes home later that night and there's a sneeze Aww. and i didn't like it i didn't like it i thought everything was so dim and even the the games that he got on the sneeze that were basically the same on the genesis they just didn't play right to me and i was hmm. like this that's, sucks Forget that's because they didn't have blast processing oh what is blast processing it's funny you mention that because i looked it up Aren't you going to do your obligatory laugh when I, when I say that? I am laughing on the inside. Uh, As the host, I need to maintain composure and neutrality. Why start now? Uh, blast Jerk. processing was mostly marketing speak, but uh, I did dig this up. It specifically refers to the high-speed bandwidth and fill rate of the Mega Drive, ah, yay. Yes, Mega Drive VDP Graphic Processors DMA controller. Exactly. So No idea what any of that means. It means that blast processing is real. Yes. So y'all who think that blast processing... No, it's real. It's just what they call the fact that the Genesis could run games faster than the Sneeze. If you ever played one of the sport games like the NHL titles on the SNES, they tend not to play nearly as smoothly. Yeah. I want to think I actually did play one of the hockey games on the Genesis. I was not much of a sports fan when it comes to games on uh, any console. So I, I know I played one of them over at a friend's house, but that would be about the extent of my playing of sports titles on the thing. But um, Which is surprising because it was known as the sport title system. Oh, yeah. Sport it really titles. was. It had all of the Madden games, and there was a whole thing with, uh, there was a whole thing with Electronic Arts um, and their games and that, but... I wonder, maybe we should start talking about, actually, a little bit about the history of the console and that sort of thing. I don't really so much have a history, but uh, uh, this is interesting. I was looking up, when I, when I was doing research, I did not realize that how many different versions of the Genesis hardware were released. There is a ton. 
there's a ton. You, you, you don't hear about anything like that with Nintendo. You don't even really hear much of that with the Sega Master System or the Atari. The, the Sega Genesis is pretty much alone in this regard as to the amount of hardware that it was on. Maybe the 3DO has uh, is in a similar thing no, but no, yeah but it's not nearly as close it's no, the 3d yeah the 3do was separate manufacturers and there was a lot that sega themselves made but separate manufacturers as well as the genesis uh, here we go i've got some first party stuff here the sega made the uh, the genesis or mega drive uh 1988 it was introduced in japan 1989 it was the genesis in the united states 1993, they introduced the Genesis 2. The difference between that, it was it was smaller, no uh, headphone. It had a smaller AV connector that supported stereo because the main board was smaller. It used less power. Then they came out with Genesis CDX called the Multimega in Europe, which was a portable CD version of the Genesis, which uh, did have a cartridge slot on it. It was basically a combo Genesis uh, Sega CD add-on with it. And uh, you could use it either as a game console or you can use it like a Walkman. Play your audio CDs. Mm -hmm. They also had the Nomad, which is, everybody knows, the handheld, which was based actually itself on a portable system called the Megajet, which was used on uh, flights uh, out of Japan, uh, actually. The Nomad, that wasn't a very successful handheld, was it? I don't think so. It wasn't. It came out too late. But it was fascinating. That was a great handheld. And it had a TV out, so you could plug it into a TV and play it. I actually had one for a while. It was really cool. Some of the games that went fast got blurry on the screen because of the technology of the time. But I also think the Nomad is a great name for a portable system, personally. I, I really Actually, yes, that, that is a, it's a cool name. If, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, didn't it actually eat batteries worse than the Atari Lynx system oh, yeah. did? And, and here's the thing. If you're going to buy a Sega Nomad, you either need to get a power adapter or it had a battery pack that you put the uh, AA batteries in that you hooked onto mm. the Nomad. And hmm. often it's missing from the Nomad. So if you see just a Nomad like at a yard sale or a thrift store, the only way to test it is if you plug it with a uh, one of those Sega Genesis Model 2 plugs. Those plugs are very versatile. They can be used with Game Gears too. I, I remember when I had my Atari Lynx, actually one of the first things I did after going through a buttload of batteries, and I actually did measure it, and it was a literal buttload. I bought one of the uh, the power adapters for it, and uh, of course it didn't become portable at that point, but I didn't care because I loved my Atari Lynx, which will be a, a something probably for a future episode. Nowadays, what you can do, there's a, a device called the Retro Duo Portable, which is an, actually a Super NES handheld clone. I believe who is it? Uh, Hyperkin who does who did that? I couldn't tell you. Uh, flip a coin, they do every other thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but they they made a Sega Genesis adapter. Well, it's not specifically for the Retro Duo Portable. It's just a kind of a generic Sega Genesis to SNES adapter. And I was using that on a Retro Duo Portable, and it worked like a charm. So that's uh, kind of one way you could do handheld uh, Sega Genesis gaming without actually having to download an emulator and use ROMs. You actually plug the actual cartridge into it. That's a really cool thing. Continuing on with the Genesis consoles, wrapping up uh, the first party here, Sega produced something called the Terra Drive, which was a, a PC-compatible slash Genesis hybrid. That one was actually made by Sega. Uh, and then, of course, they adapted the Genesis hardware for the arcade. They had uh, something called the System C2, the Megatech, and Megaplay. That was all the first party, the Sega stuff. Now, third party, in 1992... There was a device called the Wonder Mega, or the XI. Uh, we may, you may have heard of the XI. That was a JVC device. It was a Genesis-slash-CD combo. Laser Active was by Pioneer. Uh, that was its own thing, but it required an add-on called the Mega LD Pack, 
uh, to play Genesis right. and Genesis CD games, which uh, that actually was created by Sega. That Pioneer Laser Active, one of the most expensive consoles ever released. It was like a thousand bucks. Yes, mm-hmm. it, it was a laser disc based console, and they had games that you could play just on that. Then they had the Sega branded games where you had to have the Sega module hooked into it, and then they had a Turbo Graphics module oh. with separate games for that as well. So if you bought everything together, it was like well over $1,000. Some of this third-party stuff was really not very cost-effective. Uh, there was also a device called the CSD-GM1, which was by Awai, which was a Genesis slash Genesis CD built into a boombox, <laughs> which I understand. I think I heard that one was uh, fairly expensive, too. But that would have been so cool to to have a boombox, you know, jamming out your tunes, and then you hook it up to a TV, and suddenly you're playing video games. Or if it had one of those little black and white TV screens on it, and you're playing Sega CD on that. Could you imagine if uh, they had that thing in, uh, what was the movie, Say Anything, where John Cusack was holding up the boombox? And there's Sewer Shark. <laughs> Night trap. There you go. <laughs> Let's see what else here. Uh, there was the MSX AX-330 and the AX-990, which were third-party machines that were released only in Kuwait and Yemen. Of course. Then there was the Amstrad Mega PC, which was, again, another PC Genesis hybrid, which were released in Europe and Australia. And then finally, in 1998, Majesco introduced the Genesis 3, which was a cheaper version, of course, the you know at the end of the life cycle. And uh, that's only a fraction of it. I didn't even go into a lot of it. There's still a lot more that you could talk about with this. It was, it was just insane how Sega put this hardware out on so many devices. I really wanted, when I first heard way back in the Ferg about the fact that they were combining a Genesis and a PC, I really wanted that because I just thought that would just be like the coolest thing in the world. But there you go. I wanted a Sega CDX, but it was really, it was like, I think it was $300 yeah. when it came out. Might even, maybe even four. It was really expensive. And, but it, I had a friend who had one and it worked with the power base converter. It worked with the 32X and it was tiny, except nowadays it's hard to find one where the CD system part still works. Oh, really? Yeah. They, they, they fail a lot. And another thing that's really important about that system, it has its own power adapter. And if you don't use the specific power adapter, it will work on like a Genesis two power adapter for a while, but it'll like burn out some of the capacitors. Oh, dude. So you have to be very careful. I mean, I've seen the power adapters go for almost a hundred bucks alone on eBay. Wow, that's insane. That would have been a neat device to own. Uh, I want to think I did see that actually at the Toys R Us, but I never, never bought one. I just got the regular Genesis with the nice. It was the rectangle thing with the round. It was a rectangle with the round. The round part on it. With the little volume slide and the headphone adapter. And even though you hardly ever used the headphone adapter or the volume thing, it was neat to have because. But there was a volume thing in that? Why don't I remember that? Yes, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a volume, a volume slider. slide. A little slider. headphone jack in the front and a volume slider right there in the front. Right above it. And if you want the best Genesis, according to many people, the original model that says high definition graphics. Thank you, Sega, for giving us high definition before we knew we needed HD. <laughs> and if you get one of those, especially there, now there's two versions. There's one with the lockout chip installed, one without. The earliest models, when you put in a game, it will not say produced or licensed by Sega. The later ones will always say that when you put in a game. Mm-hmm. But those those early ones have the best sound. And I think a lot of people think that the the second model with the lockout chip has the best video quality. The Genesis 2, the compact model, the sound suffers a bit. People don't like the sound as much, but there's one model 
called the three-quarter model. If you turn over one of those compact Genesis 2s, and if you look into where the they have like these uh, vents, and you can see the silver RF shielding in it, mm-hmm. there was a late version. It's called the three-quarter version. The shielding does not go all the way over. That is considered to have the best sound of the Sega Genesis huh. systems. And then the Genesis 3 does not work with power-based converter, does not work with the 32X, and is considered to be the lowest quality of the three. But it's cute. Well, it was the last one that was released, too, so and it was not... Um created by Sega was licensed out. So that's yeah, that's sort of understandable. That. I mean, right now they've got out, uh, was it At Games has released several plug-and-play systems with games built in. They have the little handheld model, which I have, one from a couple years ago, which I'm thinking about getting in. Well, actually, I think I'm going to wait for next year because uh, they're talking about actually updating the hardware to fix the sound issues, which is where I was going to yeah, go with that. That's oh, the be one great. thing about those is the sound. And I think if... The, the home system that you can plug a cartridge in, if it has a battery save, it doesn't work on those. It won't save. Hmm. Huh. Is now a bad time to bring up the contest? <laughs> oh, I totally forgot we were having a contest. That was, oh, that's yeah. kind of your uh, your thing, isn't it? Yeah, kind of my thing. Oh, does this have to do with your uh, your little handheld? Well, we're talking specifically about the At Games handheld, but uh, we'll talk about the other thing later, but off off air. But Okay. Uh well, with the plug-and-play unit, At Games also did create a SD cartridge for it that you can get for that particular unit. So you got that going for you. And the portable one, I think you can plug that into a TV as well. Yes, you can. I actually, I've done that, and it, it actually works quite well. Uh, and it has actually. a really nice screen. It's tiny, but yes. it's nice. It's really sharp and bright. Yes, it is. The only thing is it's uh, the compatibility issues, because there were, uh, first of all, there were some games that... Uh, EA and Accolade made that were not officially licensed, and some of those don't work, and some of them don't work for other reasons. I remember, I remember tried playing Ms. Pac-Man yeah. uh, on that, which the tank in Ms. Pac-Man for the Genesis is very, very good. I really enjoy that one a lot. But that one doesn't work, and uh, I couldn't get Gauntlet 4 to run on it. Um, That's interesting. There was a few others I couldn't get to run. I can't remember. I actually started a thread on Atari Age trying to document which games wouldn't run on it, but I kind of as with everything else, I do lost You know, the, the original system didn't have the lockout chip, but then they put it in. So some early games by EA and Accolade don't work mm-hmm. on later systems. Unless you use a Game Genie, then it usually works for everything oh. but Budokan. So I don't know if it would make a difference, but try Game Genie and then the game, it might make hmm. a difference. But I don't think it can. Uh, there's a way to actually do the Game Genie thing on the, uh, on the handheld, though. Oh, no. the handheld, yeah. No, the cartridge-based is what I was thinking of. But yeah, the if the ROM images or whatever aren't loading up. So, Sean, what was this about a contest? Oh, yeah. We have one of these at-games handhelds in very good working condition. It's been used a little bit, but it absolutely works. I'm not going to lie. I am going to say this is part of Sean has too much crap in the apartment <laughs> and needs to get rid of some of it. So um, this can be yours. This Handheld the price Genesis is right. At That's games. what I was and, thinking. <laughs> and here's what the price is. The price is there's a certain game that was out on the Sega Genesis that was supposed to come out on the Amiga after Desert Strike. It was supposed to be the very next Electronic Arts release on the Amiga. I was an Amiga guy at the time, so I was all excited when I heard about it. Your job is to reach out to us some way, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, yelling really loud out of the, out of your backyard emailing at piefactory at fab4it.com telepathy whatevs and say what that game is we are uh, going to mention it later so pay attention what that game is do i win <laughs> robotron uh, 
Employees and guests of Pie Factory Podcasts are ineligible. Oh, but you didn't say, well, no, I guess we are employees. Yeah, I never said paid employees. I just said employees. So if I got fired, could I win? Kind of like a RoboCop thing? Of course, that guy mm. lost, didn't he? I don't know. You never saw RoboCop? No. You don't remember the fourth I, rule? I, I, I don't remember the firing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now I remember it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you can win then. Yeah. But you might die. Yeah. I'm blown to smithereens, but hey. And I do have to say that at games thing, it actually is pretty good. The only complaint I have about it is the sound emulation because I don't know if it's slow or if it's just lower pitched than it I, should be. I think be. the pitches are just slightly off. And if you're yeah. really used to the game, it can bother you. If you're not used yeah. to it, you may not notice the difference. Yeah. But uh, the good news is, according to a contact that we have, they are actually totally reworking the emulation for next season's device. So the sound should be improved. So I'm looking forward to that. So next year in 2017, they can put on the box. This time it really works. <laughs> this and, time except for, for the sure. following games. <laughs> yeah, except for the following games. I was really disappointed that Ms. Pac-Man doesn't work with that. Because I'm a, everybody, well, well if, if not everybody knows, they're going to know now. I'm a big Pac-Man fan. So I was, really, no. I was disappointed with that. I rented Ms. Pac-Man from, uh, what was the place? It was a drugstore chain, uh, Farmore when they were back here way, 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 way back when, and I rented Ms. Pac-Man from them once. Um, I'm not the biggest Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man fan in the world, but I really loved all the options that that had. It had the regular mazes, you could have them on the screen or scroll, and they had different size mazes, different difficulty mazes, and um, there must have been 40, 50 different mazes in that particular game, uh, if you putzed with all of the selections. I really enjoyed that version of the game a lot. Did it have a high-speed mode on it? I do not remember. I did once rent Pac-Man 2, if you remember that. That was more of a point-and-click, kind of get-Pac-Man-to-move kind of game. But in the game, you could actually unlock some of the arcade games. Oh, really? Yeah, you can. there's like a version. I, I can't remember. I think there's a version of Pac-Man and maybe another Pac-Man game. I can't remember because it's been years. But that was one of the coolest things is unlocking the games. Just like in Pitfall 2, you can actually unlock the Atari 2600 version of Pitfall Poorly emulated, but it's in there. So any any more first-party stuff that we need to talk about? That is everything I have on the consoles. Uh, I haven't Can we talk actually... accessories? accessories? I haven't even Ooh. started accessories yet. Let's accessorize. Can we? Work oh, with me. Tell. Yes, yes, yes. No! Oh, uh, yes, um, accessories. Uh, famously, they have the Sega CD and the 32X. And, uh, there's and the a really... Power Base Converter. Oh, oh, I forgot about, yes, the power-based converter. We'll do the power-based converter first because that's the easiest yeah, one to talk about. The power-based converter would allow you to play Sega Master System games on the Genesis. Uh, it didn't work with a handful of games, and that's only because some of them actually needed, like Fantasy Star, needed the pause button to access different functions of the game. No, Fantasy Star does work. I guarantee you Fantasy Star works on that thing. But uh, is is there a pause button on the power base converter? Th there is a pause button on the power base converter. Okay, well maybe I'm thinking of the um, Game Gear then, because I know it doesn't work on the Game Gear. That that might be, but there was a couple games like um, Shanghai. You actually had to use the Sega Master System pad for it to work. It wouldn't work with the Genesis controller and Wonder Boy Two. Most of the games work perfectly. There was one flight simulator car game that does not. Uh, work on the power base converter i don't know the name of it but it was uh it, it, yeah. did, it did have a slot for the cards yes all okay. the other card games huh. worked it was just that one game i think that one game's the only one that does not work at all the other there's a couple that you have to have the master system controller to work but that's about it 
being the fan of the Sega Master System that I am, uh, I did not. I've I never owned the uh, the power base converter. I'd thought about it, but by the time I got the Genesis, my Sega Master System was long gone, unfortunately. So there you are. So yes, there's that, and it just plugs right in, and you and it works like pretty much every other converter of the day, I guess. Where it pretty much just used the audio and video output of the of the the host system, if you will, and I will to send the signal out to the TV. So there's that one. That one's the pretty easy one. Now the Sega CD. Now the Sega CD I know worked with the with the Genesis Model One. Did it work with the Genesis Model Two? Yes. It did. Okay, because I remember yeah. that you had a tray. It sat in a tray, and they kind of like snapped together or something. And then the mm-hmm. CD, I believe, had its own power supply. Yes, it did. It obviously played games that were on CD. They had more storage. That I remember. I didn't have the Sega CD, but I remember playing the Sonic CD, which they eventually at some point released for the PC. And I had that version. That was really fun. I really enjoyed that version of Sonic. And they had other things uh, like the full motion, like Sewer Shark, and most famously Night Trap, which caused a whole bunch of hullabaloo. And it's, it's why we have the ESRB ratings today. It's yeah. all because of Night tra- Trap. Yeah. Which... And Joe Lieberman and a couple other uh, congressmen, senators, whatevers. Yes, and... That's about as political as we're going to get in this show. Uh, which, oh, you know I love politics. Oh, I know you do. And, and that uh, was a bipartisan effort. Yeah, un- unfortunately, yeah. Uh, but that's why I'm voting for Vermin Supreme. So, <laughs> so anyway, so there's that. It's uh, not a whole lot really to it because it's it, it's easy to to visualize, especially since everything is on disc these days, with the exception of Nintendo's upcoming Switch console, which I'm kind of digging but that's me i gotta tell you that is the only accessory i remember from when the genesis was out i don't remember in fact you may you may remember that i that you had mentioned uh jimmy g you had mentioned the cd30 was it the uh what was the 32 for the x32 x 32 x like i'd never heard of that thing until you mentioned i was like what I remember seeing that actually in the case at the Toys R Us uh, out front of the Louis Joliet Mall. And I kept thinking about getting it, but I'm like, think the amount of money I had to spend for it. I'm like, I just really couldn't justify the purchase, especially when seeing how few games there were for it. Uh, it was originally, it sounded to me from what I uh, researched, sounded like it was going to be, they're banking in it on being the next big thing. And they actually pre-sold a lot to different retailers, but Sega couldn't keep up with it. And it eventually ended up selling far less than what they originally anticipated. And um, that was a thing, a device that plugged into the cartridge slot. And uh, it basically added two 32-bit processors to it. Two uh, Super H2 processors uh, that were in it. And it allowed, like, 3D graphics and stuff like that. There was a, Actually, I've played an emulation, a really good uh, version of the Star Wars arcade game in there, which I rather enjoyed. Uh, I want to think there was a Zaxxon version of Zaxxon yes. released for that. There, there was, was? A Zaxxon 2000 Mother Base, something like that, but it wasn't really a Zaxxon game, and that's considered a disappointment. Okay, but it did have, but it had like, but like the versions of Space Harrier and Afterburner are considered exceptionally good. Even the Virtual Fighter is supposed to be is really good on really? that too. Yeah, Virtual Fighter, it's not as good as the Saturn, but it it held up. It played really really well that that thing it, it really hit the bargain basement prices real quickly you know like good you luck eventually finding, get it for 20 bucks yeah and it and come and you would come with a game you know like virtual racing or something like that 
but it's a shame. It could have, and they were going to make a Sega Nep- Neptune, which was a Genesis 32X built into one. Yes. And, and, and that never came out. Here's the thing though, that used a power supply too. And there were 32X Sega CD games. Those power supplies are huge. So you needed a power supply for your Genesis, for your 32X and the CD. And it was yeah. hard to find the real estate to do it. They actually made, and they're very valuable today, a Sega power strip. And it's just a long power strip. It has like six outlets, but they're spaced apart so you can fit those bricks side by side. And it says Sega in between the outlets. Yeah, there was a, a really good uh, angry video game nerd episode uh, about the, uh, I, I believe it was about Genesis add-ons, where they talked about the 32X and the Sega CD and running the, some of the games with that. And um, if you can handle his language, uh, Phil here, the no swear gamer, uh, <laughs> uh, angry video game nerd is quite the opposite <laughs> if you can handle the language uh you might want to check that video out uh what do we always say about that sean screw you exactly no link in the show notes link in the show notes so uh you might want to check that out uh, it, it, it occurs to me one thing that atari got right with the 5200 uh, out of everything they got wrong one thing they got right was actually having it to where the power supply sat on the floor and there was a cord on both sides of it, one that plugs into the either the console or the power switch, and then the other one that plugs right into the wall outlet. So you weren't taking up, like, valuable real estate, I guess, in your power strip or whatever. And it seems to me that uh, that should have been a thing back then in the classic era. That's one thing that Atari got right that Sega and everybody else should have learned from. But I digress. <clears throat> so... So there's that. And then, of course, there was the Menacer light gun, which I never owned. Uh, that thing is huge. It's more like a bazooka than a light gun. Especially if you have all the attachments. It came with like all these attachments. So if you put them all together, it's massive. Just the light gun itself, it's deceptively big. If you see pictures, you don't realize how big. But it worked really well. I, I had a friend who played it with um, Terminator 2 arcade game. Mm-hmm. That was really good. The Menacer with that, yeah, that worked really well. Especially yeah. if you had two of them. I had the uh, the Terminator 2 arcade game, but I didn't have the light gun. But I, I still rather enjoyed that game. But uh, we'll get we'll get to talking about games in just a minute. In just a minute. Just a minute. Just a little bit. Yeah, we have so, to talk about the Sega Activator first. Oh. The what? Yeah, I, I, I don't have that in my notes. Uh, but uh, Phil, us in on okay. it. <laughs> Sega Activator. This thing is like was like 80 to $100 when it came out. It was like this huge octagon that you put on the ground, and it shot up RF beams and you used your body to control the game. So to do up, you might punch with your right hand, and to do the C button, you would kick behind you with your left leg. And it was the most awkward, bulky thing that they ever created. It was supposed to be like this way, like a power pad, but it was just such a clumsy thing to use that they just got returned left and right. But it's still still interesting that it actually made to market that that expensive behemoth of a controller that's motion activated made it. It's kind of like a predecessor to the Kinect. It kind of so, is. And, and I love and, it. I, I, typed, I typed Sega Activator in the search engine, and one of the links came back, Sega Activator, the crappiest game peripheral. <laughs> yeah, if you thought U-Force was bad, you needed to try the Activator. Yeah, that's another one I haven't heard of. And I never heard of the, uh, the power base converter, and also because I had never heard of the Sega Master System in those days. Because it was, I don't know. It's, I think by it's the like time a, I met you, I had gotten rid of my Sega Master System, unfortunately. Probably. But thanks to Jeff Prescott of uh, No Quarter, I actually have a Sega Master System Ding. again. So, 
I remember the NES, and then the next thing I remember, TurboGrafx-16, which had like two games, and then Sega <laughs> Genesis. That's, and then I don't remember anything else in between. And I might add, uh, TurboGrafx-16, their big title, mascot was Bonk. And, uh, yep. and the Galloping Ghost Arcade in Brookfield, Illinois, actually has the Bonk's Adventure arcade game. So I did not know they made one. And he, they also have the uh, Sega Sonic the Hedgehog arcade game. And I think they also got Sonic Fighters as well. Uh, yeah, Galloping Ghost. Yeah, Phil Galloping Ghost has games that don't even exist. Yeah. That's what's so amazing about it. That's why everyone should go. They got games that people were only thinking about. But you know what? The Sega Genesis had excellent controllers. Some of my favorite controllers were made yes. for the Sega Genesis. And the Sega Genesis 6 button pad is one of my favorite controllers to this day. I use it all the time with my Ed Ladd and Seagull 78 Ding. to play Atari 26 what? and 7800 games. I don't ha- I have the 6 button controller. I have the regular 3 button uh, pad and that is the probably the finest game pad ever made uh, by any company. I would I I would uh, I think it's safe to say. Like I said, I don't have the 6 button. I do have the 3 button. But uh, now if you want to use it properly on the Atari 7800. Definitely get the Ed Ladin Seagull 78 adapter. It is definitely worth it. I've got one myself. Uh, If you want to use... I have one myself, but I don't have a Sega Genesis controller. Uh And if you want... I have a Sega Sports Pad trackball that that works really well with it, though. If you want to use it, uh, use the Genesis controllers on a PC or other USB device, like, say, a Raspberry Pi, uh, there is a, a device... Oh, Jim, do you have a Raspberry Pi? Yes. That's our pie of the day. Oh, there you go. Oh. And actually, go, I'm Henry. getting a new controller for that in a few days there. I'm getting the uh, it's uh, the NES 30 the NES 30 Super, I think it is, from 8-BitDo. Uh, it's a Bluetooth controller, which I'm looking forward to setting up for that thing. But uh, getting back to the Genesis controller, uh, there's a device called Vision Adapter, which allows... I've talked about this before. I absolutely love this thing. It's a USB device. You can play uh, regular Atari 2600 joysticks on it, uh, a ColecoVision controller, uh, the Intellivision controller. If you have the the Intellivision one, there's a separate dongle that you can use to plug those into it. And Sega Genesis 3 or 6 button controllers. And I use it on my Raspberry Pi and my PC all the time. And it's a great device. And I'm holding in my hand right now the Sega Genesis Arcade Power Stick. Ooh, look at that. That's nice. That's sharp. And Yeah, isn't that nifty? This is, in my opinion, the single best arcade-style controller with the joystick and the buttons ever manufactured for any home system. And they made it in both six-button and three-button variety. Ooh. Yes, they did. I do have the three-button variety. It's got your start button, your A, B, and C button, which we forgot to mention that the Sega Genesis control pad has three buttons, uh, six if you have the... Genesis does what Nintendo... And uh-huh. Nintendo is what Genesis isn't. <laughs> their uh, their <laughs> retaliatory uh, commercial. And um, the Sega Genesis arcade power stick has three mega fire buttons. If you hit it, it rapid fire on all of them. Ooh. And then there's a little rapid fire rate slider at the top of the device. And the joystick feels like an arcade joystick. It's it's a very solid controller. It doesn't feel like... Uh, here, listen to that. It does, the plastic is not thin. And uh, this is, as I said, probably the finest arcade-style joystick made for any system. I use it on my 2600, on my PC, on my Raspberry Pi. 
Uh, last two thanks to Vision Adapter. Link in the show notes. I, I can't say enough about that device. It's an awesome little device. Yeah, I used that thing once, too, uh, when we were at Video Game Summit. Uh, and I had one major problem with it, but other than that, it was really solid. Yes. What, what was the problem? You have to ask. Yeah. But my problem oh, with that. Oh, yes. Pic- yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 th- you think the buttons are on the wrong side. They're on the wrong side, unless you're playing Donkey Kong. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I was wrong once upon a time myself, so. But the, uh, that is a, that's a And that's why you got a left-handed joystick. Uh, actually, no, it's correct for me. I fi- I f- it's, it's correct for me. I like it. It works for me. Neener, neener, neener. So, anyway, uh, Genesis had, the, I think, the best controllers out of any game system ever in history. And there's personally. one I would like to try that had a limited release. Capcom uh, made it when Street Fighter II Special Championship Edition oh, came out. I've, I've seen pictures it's, of this. It's gigantic. It's arcade size. It, and I believe it can switch between four and eight way. Ooh. And, and I would really like to see that. But I want to bring up one one controller that's not the greatest. And I don't know how I got this. Hmm? I owned a Genesis growing up. I was a subscriber to Electronic Gaming Monthly. I sent in the card that the... Uh, you know, I own this system to Sega, so I don't know how I got it. One day in the mail, without asking for it, I got in a box, an unmarked box, a brand new Turbo Touch 360 controller. Have you ever heard of this thing? Oh, I have not. Never heard it of it. It is a Sega Genesis three-button controller, but the D-pad is replaced by a touch-sensitive, like, octagon. So you never touch a D-pad. You just kind of rub your thumb. It's almost like feel. it feels like Braille. It has all these bumps on it. And it had like turbo and stuff like that, but it didn't work as good as it was supposed to. It's supposed to be like, who needs a D-pad? Just touch this touch-sensitive area. And to this day... I think I remember this controller that you're talking about. It was okay, but not that great. And I used it just for the rapid fire more than anything. But to this day, I have no idea why I got it sent. There was no letter. It was just brand new in a brown box with my name on the address label. Hmm. No, you know what it was? Uh, Was that when you turned 18, Phil? Oh, that was supposed to be the Gillette Razor, wasn't it? That's what I got. Maybe you got that instead. Yeah, maybe. I got it wrong. <laughs> that was very timely. <laughs> yes. Oh, and by so, the way, this is our last show before Halloween. Our Halloween costume is disguising ourselves as a home console gaming show. So there you go. Ooh, there Ooh. we are. Ooh. And we're How each, awesome. And you know what else? We're each dressed up as one of the three buttons on the Sega Genesis That's controller. Right. I'm B. I'm C. Yep, I'm A, of course. Rarely used. Uh, no, actually, I'm the rapid fire C button. <laughs> we tried to get the Genesis Gems guys to be select and start, but they were busy. Yeah. There, actually, there was no select button. But there was start. And if you there had a six start. button controller, you had a mode button on top. That's true. So there you go. There, that's there true. There mode and start. That's what we meant. And that's one, that is one other thing about the At Games uh, Genesis handheld. It does have six buttons. So there's that. It doesn't have a mode button, though, now that I think about it. Which might be why some of those games don't work. It's because there's no mode button. And I was wondering what games use those six use six buttons. Mortal Kombat, trying... Street Fighter, Street Fighter Two, and Robotron. Up, oh, hold on. This week in Robotron. And there's our this week in Robotron. Uh, on the uh, Williams collect was it Williams collection or something they call it, or was it Midway? Midway's something or other. Midway's, yeah, you were saying yeah, that Midway's. the Joust is the only one that works on that on the. Uh, on the handheld, I can't even get that to run. I, d- I think once I actually got Robotron to work, and that's how I know that the uh, the six buttons, like like the at least a couple of the extra buttons work because each button mm-hmm. is a, uh, one firing direction. Oh, that's so good. that way you can still have like almost dual joystick action. 
Huh. And by the way, the game you were thinking of, F-22 Interceptor. I, I Thank got the, you. That is I, absolutely And it. I should have known better because I actually reviewed it on my show a couple of years ago. But yes, F-22 Interceptor. Anyways, buttons. Buttons. Who has a button? Buttons. Is that it for buttons? Buttons! Oh, buttons! I think that's it for controllers, unless you guys had something else to say. I loved Animaniacs. That was a great show. Was there a Genesis game of Animaniacs? There was. Yes, yep. there was, actually. And uh, Tiny yes, there, yes, there was. But no Pinky in the Brain, sadly. But yes, there was of Animaniacs. You know what I also thought? Good night, everybody. I also thought two other things. First of all, there was two four way play adapters two different adapters for four joysticks one made by sega one Mm -hmm. made by ea some games used one some game used the other some games used both didn't i was gonna say didn't eventually sega come out with one yeah where you could uh, use it for whatever game yeah they did come out there's like a little switch i believe you could use if you you had to so ea and sega made nice there and there was um there was also the justifier light gun as well, that didn't work necessarily with the Menacer games and vice versa with Lethal Oh, that's Enforcers. the one that was by Konami, wasn't it? Yeah, and there was a se- the second light gun is is somewhat rare. There was a second one that was pink that plugged into the first one through like a phone jack cord. Yes, yes, but so you could play uh, Lethal Enforcers. Yeah, yeah, both on which Sega in the arcade CD was a two player gun game. Right. So there there was that as as well, and I I can't think of anything else, but yeah, there was that. That's about it for accessories for me. Other than the the uh, Game Genie is a really good accessory to have if you collect because you can even use it to pass through for Mega Drive games. Ah, yeah, I have heard that because you can a lot of Mega Drive games will fit will will work, but they don't fit into the Genesis. Like if you did cosmetic surgery or lifted up the shell, but you get the uh, Game Genie, you can put it right in. Okay, you know you could answer this question for me. Uh, going back to the console for a second. Uh, there was an expansion port on the back of the Genesis. What was that used there for? Was that for the CD? If you look at some of the very early um, ads, there was a modem that they were planning. Oh, and okay. That that, that eventually did come out, though, correct? The did, Sega it, Game Channel thing? Well, yes and no. Not that modem. That modem did not come out. There was the X-Band modem that came out that was compatible okay. with a few games. And then there was the Sega Channel, which you... I think it was a Time Warner uh, cable thing, and they would yes, send you a special cartridge slot. It fit into your machine with, and hooked into your cable, and you could play games, I guess, online, on demand. You know, it was really... The Sega Genesis was really ahead of its time in many ways, you know, with the high definition. And they introduced us to the Bit Wars, because before that, no one was talking about bits. And then when they came out, we're 16 bits. We're twice as good as Nintendo. So there was a lot of groundbreaking stuff that they wanted to do. And then they also had the uh, Sega Genesis VR system that never came out, but that was in production. Ooh. I want to think I'd heard of this, uh, heard there was a, a company that released a, an accessory for the Genesis, and I can't remember anything about it, but they used to be a defense contractor that like lost their contracts or something. And so they decided to do uh, accessories for video games. And... I remember it was it was like a, 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 a force feedback thing. It was like a vest oh, yes, or something. The, uh, not activator. It was like, but I know what it is. It's like it was a vest. I worked in a toy department. We had lots of them that we couldn't unload. And uh, in college, I worked in this uh, chain store. And the what was it called? I don't know. But it, it it was for the Super Nintendo and Genesis, and it was supposed to like put vibrations in your chest when you got shot or whatever. It looked like a life jacket on steroids, and it didn't look comfortable. We were talking about accessories. What shall we talk now? Um, shall we talk actual games, perhaps? Well, yes. Why don't we? Okay. And I actually have a list here of some of my favorite ones. Oh. 
Phil, since you're our guest, why don't you start? What, what were some of your favorite games? Well, when I bought the system, I think it was 91, they were doing this... Um, this thing where uh, you could buy the system and they you got a game. It was during the Genesis Does Nintendo thing, and it was mm-hmm. like Pat Riley basketball free, Tommy Lasorda baseball free, Columns free, Joe Montana football free. So I got the system with Altered Beast, which, by the way, to me, the Genesis marked the time when home system games almost matched the arcade. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, you know, there's a lot, a lot of systems where maybe for a brief time, it kind of looked like the arcade, but this time it really, I mean, you put Altered Beast side by side with the arcade version, it looks very, very close. So um, I got Altered Beast, I got Joe, um, not Joe Montana, I got uh, James Buster Douglas boxing uh, mm-hmm. with it, which was called Final Blow in the Arcade. And uh, what else? I, the first game I bought used at a local store, a local video store, because I couldn't afford new games. I rented a lot. I rented all the time, like Golden Axe and stuff like that. Populous was one of the first games I made. Um, and let's see, what else did I get? Forgotten Worlds. That was a really good arcade port uh-huh. and really fun with the second player. Cyberball. I eventually got the Sonic the Hedgehog series, the Streets of Rage uh, games. Those were some of my mm-hmm. favorite games. And the most I ever spent on a game was buying Street Fighter II Special Championship Edition when it came out. That was a really good port at the time. I, I wanted to bring up one game though, real quickly. Do you guys know the story of Joe Montana football? Uh, no. Actually, I, I remember Joe Montana <gasps> Sports Talk football, but wait, wait, Joe Mo- Montana football was that a Sega title or was that one EA? No, EA would have been Joe Madden. That, it would have been John Madden. Joe Madden John is Madden. the Cubs it's guy. It's kind of both. Oh, that's right. If you if you go on YouTube and you find <gasps> oh, the... I know, oh, oh, I know. I think I know the story, but tell it. If Please you, tell if it. If you go on YouTube and you find the commercial where uh, of the promotion I did where they showed Joe Montana football, on the commercial, it, go, it's, it goes left to right. And the Joe Montana football that came out was a vertical, went up and down. Okay? Here's what happened. Joe Montana football, Sega hired Mediagenic to do Joe Montana football for the Genesis. Do you know who Mediagenic is? They're an offshoot of Activision they, or something, if I'm not mistaken. They were Activision. Activision changed okay. its name to Mediagenic for a while and then back to Activision. Sega wasn't happy with how the game was progressing. So they fired them, but they were in a bind because they were advertising this game. and They needed someone to knock this game out real quickly. So they hired Electronic Arts who used the Joe Ma- the John Madden engine to make Joe Montana football. I believe it was Park Place Productions. And Park Place Productions did such a good job on Joe Montana football in-house that EA said, whoa, this might be better than John Madden. We better dumb it down a little bit. So they actually throttled it back and then gave it to Sega uh, as Joe Montana football. So John Madden football and Joe Montana football are basically long-lost brothers. They're made by the same company. So, yeah, there were some, I, I had some great sport games on there, like Greatest Heavyweights and Evander Holyfield mm-hmm. Real Deal Boxing, the NHL series, the Madden series. And there's one game that I, maybe I'm the only one who likes it. It was called Powerball. It was kind of like um, Speedball. Why does that sound familiar? It's, I remember Speedball from the Atari ST and Amiga. It was, Namco made it, and it, it was oh. like a more, a simpler version of Speedball 2 Deluxe or whatever. It was, okay. it was like a futuristic combination of soccer and football and just, you know, not yeah, the other Yeah, I had that out. on the Amiga, actually. 
Yeah, I had that on the Atari ST. That was a that was I liked that game. I'm so, not as I say not into huge into sports games, but I did like that one. But some of the other favorite series that I that that I rented was like Road Rash, the Road Rash series. Oh yeah. Uh, the Shinobi series, excellent. Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, Musha. That's a great shooter, Musha. It's a shame it costs so much today. Ghostbusters was really fun too, and the Disney games, Aladdin especially. Aladdin, man, that looks so sharp, but. Uh, Castle of Illusion and World of Illusions. If you have a second player, get World of Illusions. One person's Mickey Mouse, the other's Donald Duck. It, it, those are good times. So yeah, those were some of the games I really enjoyed. Oh, and Wonder Boy and Monster World. Now, I have to say you brought up the Disney games. Um, my absolute favorite game on the Genesis console was Quack Shot. It was a challenging enough game, but it wasn't overly difficult. Uh, you're basically Donald Duck looking for treasure. And the way you had to go between levels uh and you had to switch like halfway through a level to go to another level to get a device to progress in a different level was was uh was uh, pretty cool the animation was extremely well done in the game to me it literally felt like i was actually playing a donald duck cartoon and uh, the sound effects were awesome and i i just had a ton of fun with that game i always had some trouble with the very final boss in the game but eventually would was able to beat him but I just I absolutely love Quackshot. That is just, in my as I said, my opinion, the best game on the console. There's one thing about that game that bothers me, is in the Transylvania level, if Donald Duck falls into the water, he dies. Yeah, he is a duck, isn't he? Yeah. He should well, survive ducks that. Ducks and frogs can't swim. You should know that from <sighs> video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is true. That is true. Ducks and frogs can't swim. <laughs> video game physics, the more you know. So... And I have to go on here. Uh, out of all of the Sonic games, I've only I only owned the first and the second one. The second Sonic game was I loved the first Sonic, but the second one was far superior. I believe I've beat the second one several times. I loved Space Harrier too. That was good. Yeah, a, a lot of people like kind of dog on some of the early uh, arcade translation titles, but I really enjoyed Space Harrier too. But then again, I think I'm one of the few people that enjoyed Space Harrier on the Sega Master System as well. Uh, I already talked about Ms. Pac-Man. That was a really good port. Desert Strike, which I'll, Sean loves loves that game. I'll let him talk about that one. Golden Axe was a really good, uh, really good port. And do you remember what they did for the home version that they didn't do for the arcade? No, what was that? They they added two levels. Oh, did they? So that was like one of the big hooks of Golden Axe is not only does it look like the arcade, but you get two more levels in the Genesis version. Kind of like what Coleco did with the uh, parts of their games for the Atom. And I'll say this too, in one of the most boneheaded things Sega ever did, I had I bought a Sega CD when it came out. Uh-huh. And it came with this uh, classics disc that had four games, Streets of Rage, Columns, Revenge of Shinobi, and Golden Axe. Golden Axe on that, you can't play two-player. What? Don't know why. I, d- I actually called up Sega of America when I got uh-huh. my Sega CD, and I was like, I want my friend to come over and play this. Why can't... Oh, it's just made that way. They couldn't tell me why. And the Sega Six Pack, which is a great uh, compilation cart with six games on it, mm-hmm. it has Golden Axe on it too. You can't play two player on that version either, I believe. Huh? It, it doesn't make any sense. And the Revenge of the Shinobi. Oh, you guys know the early versions of Revenge of Shinobi had Godzilla, the Terminator, no, had all Batman, Spider Man had really? all these licensed characters in it that weren't supposed to be in it. But eventually, Sega released another version, and they took away all the characters except Spider-Man because they had a license at the time. And now the latest versions, like if you get it on the virtual console, it doesn't even have those characters. Oh, that no was way. just full of, you know, you like, hey, that's Rambo. That's the Terminator all over the game. 
Okay, I gotta look for the ROM for the the early one. I want to see that. That sounds awesome. Because there's actually a fight where I forget which is which. I think the character starts as Spider-Man, and when you defeat him, he morphs into Batman, or, or oh, the other way around. Oh, dude, but, that sounds like something that would be on one of those Action 52 carts. Except this controlled really well. <laughs> oh, awesome. Uh, i got to finish up my list here real quick. I was one of the few people that really enjoyed the Terminator 2 arcade game on the Genesis. I really enjoyed that, even though I didn't have the gun. I thought Raiden was a really good arcade port. I, that was my first introduction into the whole bullet hell arcade type game. And Raiden was... I enjoyed that game. I've loved it in the arcade. I loved it on the Genesis. And then one game I really did enjoy a lot. Of course, it's on my like list here. It was an EA game. And we didn't really talk about uh, EA and how they were... Uh, most of their games were unlicensed. But uh, Zany Golf absolutely love zany golf i had it on my atari st loved the game the genesis version I had it on my amiga i liked it yeah the genesis version uh, the only place it really suffered a little bit was the control because it's a little bit different using a control pad versus a mouse but it still was pretty good and that's just an awesome awesome game it would have been neat to see a zany a zany golf course in real life with the courses just like the uh, the game the biggest disappointment with Zany Golf, and this goes with every version of the game, is they never made a sequel to it. And I was kind of always wondered why that was, because that was such a great, great mini golf game. But there and, you go. And that's one of those early games that I think gives you troubles if you try it in just a Genesis 2. You need a pass-through or something like that. But EA, like, somehow, they basically told Sega, we know how to make games on your system make a deal with us or we're just going to do it on our own. And they gave them a sweetheart deal and they allowed them to make their own cartridges. That's why the EA games have all that, those yellow tabs. Yes. Because most, most licensees couldn't make their own cartridges, but EA probably was so instrumental in getting the Genesis to be as popular as it was with all their sport titles and other titles as well. And you know what else I forgot to mention? Do you know who had it, who had a chance to bring, according to rumor, bring the Sega Genesis to the States, but passed on it? Atari. Atari. Yeah, Jack Trammell passed on it because he wanted to focus more on his computers, evidently. And originally, Sega worked with Tonka for the Master System. They mm-hmm. wanted to work with someone else. They couldn't find any buyers, so they did it themselves. Tonka was a huge mistake for Sega. The Master System, I think, could have been a lot bigger if Sega would have been just been able to, to release it themselves because that was a great system, more powerful than the Nintendo Master, uh, Nintendo Master, the Nintendo Entertainment System. But the marketing of that was just so botched up. Eventually, Sega did take over distribution of the Master System, but by that point, it was too little too late. And the box art was terrible when Tonka did it. But you see, what Sega did is when they took control of the box art, they gave you wonderful box art. And if you look closely, you know how the... You know how the Master System had that, like, graph paper look? It had this yeah. grid on a white background? Mm-hmm. The Genesis games are the same way, except it's a black background. It still had the grid. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the other art was stupid. And In fact, uh, again, the angry video game nerd did a thing about bad uh, video game box art, and he talked about a couple of uh, Sega Master System titles on that. Yeah, so, pro wrestling's so bad, it's good, man. Yeah, I think that was one of the ones he talked about. That one, Action Fighter, and I can't remember the other one, but... There's actually one other game I want to talk about here, but uh, I'm going to let Sean talk about his favorite games first, because this is a game I think we all really might have something to chime in on. So, but so Sean, since you're hosting, why don't you ask yourself what your favorite games are? Hey, Sean, what are your favorite games on the Sega Genesis? 
Hey, Captain Geach, what are your favorite games on the Sega Genesis? Um, I'm just going to broaden that and just talk about the games that I actually remember playing. First off, obviously Sonic the Hedgehog, because, you know, that was the pack-in. I beat that game fairly quickly. Sonic 2 as well. And what I loved about the Sonic games, at least I only played 1 and 2, um, is that if you didn't move your character, <laughs> I, I love the look they would give you. Like, Sonic would look at his watch... Uh, Tails would kind of just look confused. And I don't remember if it was on the Genesis or the CD version or whatever, but if you left him standing there long enough, he would actually eventually commit suicide and end your game. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, it wasn't the Sega Genesis, that's for sure. That might have been the Sega one CD of version. And then I remember my brother brought home Echo the Dolphin because he's he said, okay, this is, gonna, this is supposed to be the next big thing for the Genesis. This is going to be the Sonic Killer. And I just didn't get it. Yeah, I, me I, I had a hard time getting into it too. You just swim around for a few minutes, and then all of a sudden there's this big like water spout or something that like whisks you into this new world, and you just kind of swim around and talk to things. And I was like, "What is this garbage?" But that was really it in terms of like non-sports games besides Desert Strike and F twenty two Interceptor. Uh, Desert Strike, I absolutely loved. It was probably That's a great game. Probably and my, yes, man, probably my favorite game on the Genesis. And of course, when the Amiga version came out, I had to go out and I had to go out and find it on one of the uh, PBSs that had pirated versions of it because I was in college and didn't have any money. <laughs> I loved it on the Amiga too. Although there were some features that I missed that were on the Genesis version, like the Genesis version. You could choose the inertia level of your helicopter. Mm -hmm. You could have it so that it kind of that it like drifted slow. or it stop drifts. on a dime. Yeah, exactly. The Amiga version didn't have the option. It just it just drifted. Um, but the Amiga version had one thing that I do not remember from the Genesis version is that when you uh, rescue POWs and stuff, they actually yell up to you and. It was a giveaway that the game was programmed in England because they had British accents. You know, it just occurred to me that all the Desert Strike games yeah. are isometric versions of Choplifter. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Choplifter isometric. It just occurred to me. And you can go in all directions, too, yes. not just left and right. And the thing I remember most, though, is the sports games. Like Phil said earlier, it was a great console for sports games, and my brother is a major sports guy. So we had all kinds of sports games. Uh, either he owned them or rented them. Uh, I remember Hardball, which I also had in the Commodore 64 and the Amiga. Wasn't a big fan of the Genesis version. Didn't have it, but I played the uh, one of the Maddens, and uh, my brother brought home Joe Montana Sports Talk Football. I really dug that. Yeah, I loved it. What I what I really loved doing was making the uh, was it Lon Simmons who was the voice? I think I don't know who the voice was, but yeah, you could make him do some crazy stuff. The kicking team comes on. It's first down. I can't yeah. believe it. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> go for a punt or a field goal on second down. I can't believe it. <laughs> that was awesome. Almost talked a little bit Torgo ish. Yeah. Yes. They came out with a new version of it. It was just sports talk football. They didn't have the, uh, I don't think they had the Joe Montana right, but they had the NFL rights to it. So all the teams were actually like Bears, Packers, Lions, whatever. They actually had the, the actual team names. And 
I do know that when you wanted to make the uh, play-by-play guy say goofy things, he had a better vocabulary this time. It's a 99-yard attempt. What a mistake. (laughs) My favorite thing thing was to play in a domed arena and have it snow. (laughs) Welcome to the game between Chicago and Green Bay. We are in the dome. It is snowing out. I can't believe it. And um, what I really, really loved, though, was Sports Talk Baseball. Yes, that was good. Quite simply because the action was too fast for the announcer to keep up with. Oh, yes. Especially if he kept throwing the ball around the bases, you know? Safe, safe. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes, like, after the game was over, he would actually resume calling the previous game. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite thing to do was, I think it was button A, hitting that over and over and over, and then for 10 minutes listening to it. Infield back, infield in, infield normal, infield back. I did the same thing. Did you ever play the World Series games? Those were really good baseball games. No, I never did. Because they actually had the parks, the ballparks. So if you want to like relive all old ballparks, play one of the Genesis World Series games. And uh, what else was there? The Electronic Arts and uh, NBA games are pretty cool too. I remember uh, Bulls versus um, Lakers, Celtics. Lakers, I think. Yeah, Bulls versus Lakers and Bulls versus Blazers. I definitely remember. And I remember Dennis Rodman. His character, like he actually had colored hair and everything. I think it might have been randomly generated too, <laughs> but that was that was pretty cool. And of course, my favorite of all the sports games, NHL hockey. Yes, I do remember playing that one. I loved picking fights, and there was this. I got to tell this story. I don't know if you guys know about this, but there's a little hidden trick in NHL hockey, the original NHL hockey, not '93 or later. What you do is on the bottom goal, if your goal is, or if you are, if the goal that you are shooting at is the bottom goal, all you got to do is basically just tap it in through the corner and it goes in really, really easily. It's like a back door or something. And you can always beat the crap out of your opponent easily by doing that. One time when my brother and I were playing this, I did that. I, I did the bottom goal trick. I mean, he knew about it already. I did the bottom goal trick once. He pulled his controller out of the console, <laughs> and where we lived, it was a, a big house, a two-story house, and the previous owners had uh, converted one of the rooms into a kitchen. We didn't use it as a kitchen, but my brother took the controller, and he walked out the door of the kitchen, which led to the roof, where the previous owners also had built a balcony, and I heard outside the sound of what, I heard what sounded like plastic being thrown against a brick wall multiple times. He comes back in very calmly, holding a pile of plastic that looks like it might have been a Sega Genesis controller at one time. So, yeah. And those things were durable, too. Yeah. And I just looked at him. I said, you're effing nuts. And he just calmly said, no, I'm not effing nuts. And I don't remember what happened the rest of that day. And I remember a friend was over once, and uh, we were playing with the uh, we were playing around in the Genesis. And uh, my brother came home, and you know I introduced him to my friend, and my friend says we were gonna play NHL hockey, but apparently something happened to one of the controllers. He's like, yeah, I know, but yeah. And um, my brother eventually upgraded to NHL '93, which had some cool features, like sometimes the players would actually flip over. Like, do complete 360s if you uh, whacked them good enough. 
Uh, sometimes they would bleed. What I didn't like, though, was that it wasn't as easy to start fights. NHL hockey was really easy. All you had to do was just skate into somebody really quickly. The fight would start. Did you ever get into so many fights that the guys had to sit on each other in the penalty box? <laughs> no, I didn't know that was a thing. Because it, it could only fit like three characters. So if you if you had more than three penalties, they would just go in and sit on another guy, like morph into them, kind of like the Terminator 2 Oh, guy. I got I to try that sometime. And of course, it was so sweet because there's that one on the top screen. If you hit the puck in the right spot, it would smash through the glass. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was awesome, too. And the other thing that I didn't like about NHL 93 was I didn't like the intro music. It was this little cheesy, little rubbery, like news kind of sounding thing. The previous NHL hockey, you fire it up and you get this like really rocking guitar sounds and everything. It's like, oh, this is all cool. It gets you excited right away. But then 93, it's like, <laughs> it's like oh, come on. Oh, and speaking of which, uh, going back to Desert Strike, I remember reading in Amiga World a raving review of Desert Strike for the Amiga, of course, which only fueled my desire to get uh, Desert Strike on the Amiga. And the end of the article, it says, Electronic Arts has announced that their next title for the Amiga, NHL Hockey. And the reviewer ended it by saying, I can't wait. And you know what? I couldn't wait either. I was so looking forward to NHL Hockey and the Amiga but they canceled it. Oh. Desert Strike was the last Electronic Arts title on the Amiga before they decided to stop supporting Amiga. When you were talking about the cheesy, uh, you know, news ESPN kind of music that they did on the NHL system, I was like, who was that one guy, the sportcaster was always there? I had to look it up. Ron Barr. Ron Barr is always there to greet you. It's like, who is this Ron? I do, to this day, I don't know if he's a real guy. I guess I could uh, Google it, but I don't know. The other thing I liked doing a lot in fact, my brother and I both got a kick out of this. He also had PGA Tour golf. I don't like golf, even though I've been to the Western Open a couple of times and actually had a good time. But other than that, I really don't like golf. But we did play PGA Tour golf a lot. And something we did was if we would, we thought the computer player names were kind of <laughs> peculiar because uh, I remember like one of us played like two players, one against the computer, and player two was named Gunther. And that just kind of made us laugh. And if we, it's like, oh, let's try a four-player game. And player two, uh, player two was Gunther, player three was Ivan, and player four was Jerome. It's like, where are they getting these names from? And just for S's and G's, um, that means Simon and Garfunkel, by the way, I played uh, a multiplayer game in which the computer was player one and I was one of the other players. Player one on the computer end was named Hobart. <laughs> Hobart. Wait, what? Where are they getting these names from? Indiana. Now we're going to get angry letters from guys named Hobart and Gunther and Ivan and Jerome. They're like, excuse me, we were programmers for electronic arts. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they, they probably were. And I'm trying to remember, there was a game I just, I don't know if it was Keystone Capers, but the guy who made the game made PGA Tour Golf, the series. That was actually oh, a okay. fun huh. series. Did you guys ever do one of the cart swapping tricks? I was going to ask about that. Mm -hmm. I heard about that. I've done it. There's a, it's called like cart swapping or hot swapping. And with early titles, usually it involves altered beasts. And I don't know if this is exactly right. I did this. I don't know if it's the right games, but I think one of them, for instance, is put in altered beast right when the Sega logo comes out, pull it out while the system's still on, put in space Harrier two, hit the mm -hmm. reset button. Now you have unlimited lives. How do people figure huh. this out? 
they have too much time on their hands. But yeah, some of I the, just bought was, this multi-hundred dollar thing, and let me see if I can destroy it. And whenever a game magazine would uh, write about it, they would put, you know, do at your own risk. That was really cool. Hey, I found the name of that that uh, vest thing. It was called the Aura Interactor. The Aura Interactor. Interactor. Okay. It came with its own AC adapter. It cost $100. You could also use it with your TV or VCR or stereo system. And you use that with ah. all the other accessories. <laughs> and there was also, this is, I forgot about these. There was the batter up. I don't know if you remember this. It was a big blue mm. baseball bat that you could actually swing. That sounds safe. Uh, the Mega Mouse, which was like the Sega Mouse. Oh, there were okay. Some games that, yeah, that I remember that, mouse. actually. They had this for the Nintendo, too, but they made it for the Genesis. The Miracle Keyboard System, you could learn how to play yes. piano. Yes, I do remember that, yes. Yes, they, they, they had something similar for the Intellivision, although I think Mattel did that one. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't the Miracle, because my friend actually had it for the... No, was it Nintendo? Yeah, I think he had it. I think they made it for the Nintendo, SNES, and the computer as well. Yes, they did. There was actually one game I wanted to talk about just real quick here, and um, it was an arcade game. They have this game at Galloping Ghost. The game is called Zero Wing. Ah, yes. Zero Wing. Now, <laughs> people that don't know Zero Wing... Uh, <laughs> it's a fun will, game. Will, it really don't is. Don't know the game. We'll know uh, the quotes that came from it. All your base are belong to us. Someone set up us the bomb. What say you? You have no chance to survive. Make your time. <laughs> Some of the finest English in history. There is worse, but this is the the most popular one. And um, I thought that was only on the on the Mega Drive version, though. It might have been just the Mega Drive version. I couldn't tell you that. But uh, or was it? The, I don't. know. No, you know, I, I think it was the Genesis. I they also fixed it on the Genesis version. I I want to think it is the Genesis version also. But yes, all your base are belong to us. All your Pi Factory are belong to us. So. And I cringe whenever I go to AtariProtos.com because it says all your protos are belong, belong to, us. to us. It's like, no. No, it should be all your proto are belong to us. Oh, dear. Even when the grammar is bad, the grammar Nazi comes out to do whatever it is grammar Nazis do. Well, Cyanide and Happiness demonstrated that once. Yes, that is true. But, yes. So, there was a great... Uh, techno version of the song I saw on YouTube of the All Your Base Are Belong to Us on YouTube a few years back. I need to dig that up. I will probably post it to the Facebook page for Pie Factory, but I just wanted to bring that up. Well, what about people who don't like our Facebook page because they don't like Facebook? They have to have another source. And you know what? I'm thinking that if they ever do a documentary on video game podcasts, they should call it Link in the Show Notes. And I think every time you say Link in the Show Notes, you should play a chime from The Legend of Zelda. Ooh. Ooh. On the show notes, you could actually show Link holding up the Link. Hmm. That's some surreal Ooh. stuff there. Yeah, we're getting all weird here. I think it's getting late. It is. Especially for you. You're not in the normal time zone. Yeah, you're not in Central Stranded time. Let me ask you guys one question. I actually asked people this over at the forums at Atari.io. Genesis or Mega Drive, which uh, name do you like better? Genesis. I like Genesis better. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I like Genesis better. Mega Drive just sounds so marketing genesis genesis it means first it means beginning mega drive what does that mean it's a drive and it's mega Ooh. it means million drive yeah it sounds like it could be a monster truck you know it's like this yeah. big, big foot great mega, 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 drive. mega drive actually sounds like uh, a game that should be on the genesis <laughs> yeah mega drive and i i agree with you on the genesis it seems like people are kind of 50 50 and it might be whatever you growed, you know, grew up with 
yeah, whatever you growed up with, all your base are belong to us. That's what you go with. But yeah, I, I, I think we got the better end of the deal personally. I like Genesis. It's the, it's the start of something new and, and great. And that's what the Genesis was you know, to me. And I remember, uh, I got to bring this up real quick before we close out here. I remember when the Genesis came out, there was the, the first commercial I saw. It was like a bunch of people that were just playing video games. It was like a black, white, gray world. And they're like the creator saw all the bad video games and said, this is not good. And so he come out with the Genesis or whatever, something like that. And then a guy wrote a letter to the newspaper here in Joliet that was like, well, even if this, this system wasn't named Genesis, I still wouldn't waste my money on it because it mocks our creator and all that. And I'm like, dude, lighten up. Oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> lighten up. I mean, there's, there's, there's bigger problems in the world and you're concerned about that. Give me a break. I had to bring that up. We had the most awesome people writing letters to the editor in the Joliet Herald News. So. Oh, geez. Yep. But, yeah. um, you can attest to that. My takeaway from the Sega Genesis was I remember thinking, you know what? This is a really cool system. I like these games, but I don't know. I prefer going back to the Atari or my Commodore 64 or Amiga. I just, something about the Gen- it just couldn't click with me that says I must. Yeah, I was disappointed that my brother replaced it with a Super Nintendo. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know what? I'll get over it. If I didn't have my Atari, I wouldn't get over it. Well, I'd have to say the Genesis is my second favorite game system of all time, behind the Atari 7800. It was the next logical progression of, uh, of video gaming. It, uh, what it did, it did well. Oh, yeah. It gave Nintendo a run for their money and almost won the console wars. And, um, yeah, it was. it's the next step. It was uh, it, what it did... You know, it had Sonic. It had was their answer to Mario, which really showed off the capability of it. And you play that, and you see how sometimes your character can actually go faster than the screen at times. You're like, holy crap! I mean, this is a whole new realm of gaming that you haven't hadn't seen before. You wouldn't see another yep. iteration of that sort of gaming until the uh, the PlayStation One came around. Yep. And um, so, yeah, my second favorite console. It was the biggest, in my opinion, the biggest leap in gaming technology up to that point. And um, you know. There you go. And uh, Quack Shot, <laughs> my favorite game. Quack. For me, I don't know if it was that game. It was one of the games I reviewed recently. Sometimes they just blur together. For me, the Genesis might be my favorite system all time because I grew up with it after the Atari 7800. Uh-huh. It was the next progression. I had the power base converter. I had the Sega CD. So it introduced me to Master System games. It introduced me to you know, multimedia games, what they called them back then, you know, the grainy FMV video, but I liked it. Sewer Shark was great. I had a lot of fun with that. And even today, if I get like a, like I have a PSP, the Sega Genesis collection, I can spend hours, just hours playing all those games. If I was stuck on a desert island, I, or in a satellite, you know, going around the world for, you know, a year, I might want to take a Sega Genesis with me. There's a lot. It was bigger than life. And boy, Sega, did you mess up with the Sega Saturn because they had the world in their hands and it just, and now, now they have nothing. They're just the publisher, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they still make good games, but that was a magical time. That to me was, was really good. And for a long time, they actually beat the super Nintendo. It wasn't until the end that the SNES pulled out. Well, um, so anyway, uh, thank you, Phil, for joining us. Yes, uh, thank Phil you very is much. the no swear gamer who has a wonderful, uh, YouTube channel link in the show notes. And you still have an Atari 7800 game-by-game podcast, technically, so... But not for much longer. 
Not for much longer. No. How many episodes do you have left now? Two. I'm working. I got to get the prototype one out, out. I hope to do that within the, within a week of me recording with you guys. So probably pretty shortly with that. And then the last episode will be where we will go over the best and the worst games. And let me just tell you what's coming up on my Nose for Gamer channel. I just Ooh, reviewed yeah. Shaq Fu Punch. It's oh, a drink. Yes. I just reviewed that. And coming up, I'm going to be reviewing Ghostbusters and Frankenstein's Monster on the Atari 2600. Ah. Awesome. Oh, speaking of Shaq Fu uh, and No Swear Gamer, whatever happened to the video of the All Swear Gamer? Remember that one? I, I have no idea. It was idea. posted about a year oh, ago. Oh, I remember that one where he kept saying, back in the day, and Mr. Do. Back in the day, and then he kept dropping the cartridge, and he kept, like, mildly cursing. Oh, oh shoot. Oh, and Mr. Do. At one point, he says, oh, Shaq Fu. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that, that wasn't me. But that was a guy, one of my uh, listeners, who was it? It was Mark Super, I believe it was. Oh, he okay. won a prize from me, and he made this parody video of mine. <laughs> that was great. That made me crack up. I'll have now. I have to find it. It's somewhere on my Facebook page. That was an awesome video. Oh, it Shaq was. Fu. It was. Oh, and Phil, I remember some time ago on your show, you would said. In fact, it might have been a response to one of my submissions. You said. Um, fine, you can play all that stuff in your 7800 for from the 2600. Just don't try Robot Tank. Yeah. Guess what I did yesterday? Uh-oh. You tried it. Did it I work? I got Robot Tank. I got. I found a box copy of Robot Tank in a store in, uh, not too far from me and fired it up, and it played beautifully. Oh, you got a good one then. I, Way to I go. am lucky. Yeah, yeah, Robot Tank works fine on my 7800. I got an early one. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure I have probably the very last one that ever was made. But that's that's what's going on here. So um, anyway, um, thank you to Phil the No Swear Game. Thank you, Phil. Um, I guess we have what episode forty two, and uh, we will be discussing the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Well, actually, we'll be discussing the question of life, oh, the universe, and everything. All right, what games is that going to involve? Nibbler is one of them, right? Nibbler and Rescue. Nibbler and Rescue. Yes. Oh, yeah. Nibbler. Oh, watch out for snakes. Well, watch out for snakes. <laughs> Yeah, oh, by the way, uh, the guys over at Ten Pence Arcade have lifted our thing, as it were, and they're not even using the clips. They're just saying, watch out for snakes all the time. But uh, us here in America, we do it better. I'm just going to leave right. that right there. So, Seeing as it came from an American movie and all. Anyway, um, this is uh, Captain Geach and uh, the Shrimp Shack Shooters. I'll bid you all a fun. Uh, what, what, what do we want to bid? What fun things do we want to bid everybody? Fondue. Fondue, okay. So, fondue. 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 Oh, bye-bye. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at PieFactoryPFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash PieFactoryPodcast. Were you supposed to put it in a blender? Let's put the episode in a blender and hit liquefy. Um, Hyde, here's what we're going to do to make sure we're in sync. Um, We are going to say the name of our favorite Sega Genesis um, games as as we do roll call here. For example, if someone were to say, Sean, I would say Desert Strike. Phil. Aerobiz. Uh, Jim. Quack shot. Okay, there we go. I have no idea. I just said it because I thought it would be fun to say Aerobiz. It's actually a really good game, but I don't think it's my favorite. It's an airline simulator. You control an airline. 
A flight oh, sim. Huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your favorite <laughs> game is a flight sim. Made by Koi, the same guys who did uh, Three Kingdoms and all them games. Oh, they did all the like the Japanese historical games for the NES, didn't they? Yeah, and then there and Liberty, Life and Death, and other games such as that. Insert random Revenge of the Nerds joke here. Nerds. There, that's random. <laughs> well, that was totally random. You know, I was so mad because yesterday I was channel surfing, and I would have been saw mad Revenge too. Revenge of the Nerds and the guide, and I went on, I, I highlighted it, and it was a channel we don't get. I was like, oh come on, I haven't <laughs> seen that movie since like. The 80s. I'd like to see it again. I've got actually got the got it on DVD here when they uh, released it a few years ago. I have the special Panty Raid edition. Um, oh, yeah. And actually, oh, it's really cool because it actually has the Revenge of the Nerds TV pilot on the DVD. Oh, no. And uh, it's basically a 30-minute retelling of the movie, and it's eh, not that good. So, but it's did still kind of cool to have it. Did it actually make the air, the Revenge of the Nerds sh- TV show? No. It did. Oh, did it? No, I remember I remember it was on. I, oh, I absolutely remember, that. remember it airing. I do remember that um, they were wanting to do kind of like a, a ripoff of uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High uh, sitcom, and they were trying to get Joel from Mystery Science Theater to actually star in it, but he looked at the script and he said, this is crap, I won't do it. And it's, I guess as long as we've brought Joel up from Mystery Science Theater, uh, the new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000 has stopped production. They're finished. And it's uh, coming up next year, Netflix exclusive, I Am There. Oh. Oh, wow. I remember the Kickstarter, and then you didn't hear anything after a while. So how many episodes? Twelve. They funded 12 episodes. And did they say any of the movies that they're doing yet? Not yet. But uh, they're completed, and it looks like there's going to be a bunch of celebrity cameos in it, too. I know uh, Jerry Seinfeld's going to be in at least one episode. And they actually got three members of the ca- of the original cast to do cameos as well, which is a good thing. So, well, uh I'm looking That's forward good, to it. Because like between them and Rift Tracks, it's like this broken family, and they need to get back together well, sometime. They, they had, you know? did you, they ha- I didn't see it, but they did have a MST3K reunion show over the summer. It was June or July. Oh, was that like on TV, or was that like a theater thing? It was streamed to theaters. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah I, I think you I can buy it off of Rift, uh, the DVD Blu-ray off of Rift Tracks uh, right now. Mm. I've seen some yeah. clips of it, and uh, the, a few of the things they did are already on Rift Tracks. But uh, what I did see is uh, is, is uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed, so it's definitely worth it. But man, that was one of the good things about the '90s, the um, Mystery Science Theater 3000. And- Do you have any outline tonight, or are you just gonna throw it against the wall and see what sticks? When you said throw it a wall, throw it against the wall and see what sticks, it just made me think of that scene from The Odd Couple, the movie or the series. The movie slash play. Oh, okay. Which I have not seen. Oscar takes the plate of linguine and oh, yeah. throws it. Yeah, I think I recall that now. And then he very calmly says, now it's garbage. Aha. Uh-huh. That kind of makes me think of our show. So. <laughs> Mr. Hostman. Did, <sighs> did I do the joke, wait a minute, Mr. Hostman? Yes. Oh, dang it. I think the answer to the question, did I do that <laughs> joke, the answer is going to be yes. Yeah, most likely. I got to think of something new. I haven't done my surreal Jeopardy bit. Oh, geez. See, I've, I haven't heard you mention that in like 20 years. Seriously. I'll take that... contradiction for 200, Alex. No, no you, you won't. won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take exaggeration for 2 billion, Alex. You can play my Sega if you really beg us. You can play my Sega till I turn it off. You can play Afterburner or Splatterhouse. Don't jam an Earl with Batman and Mickey Mouse. Then, if you... 
You can play my Sega. If you really beg us, you can play my Sega till I turn it off. I just discovered something in Sonic 2. To get a million lives, here's what you do. Stand on your head and press button A and T while you tap button B.